This is Jackson Peterson, and I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Ag Services in Humboldt, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network, CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Tuesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Whitney Pittman along with Randy Conan. Starting things off, we have Harvest Hotline brought to you by the North Dakota Mill, Amity Technology, and Ag Country Farm Credit Services. According to the weekly crop progress report, topsoil moisture supplies in North Dakota are 78% adequate to surplus. 87% of the state's corn crop has been combined. That's compared to 98% last year and an average for the state of 77%. 72% of North Dakota's sunflowers are harvested well behind last year's 94% pace. Farmer. Farmers have nearly wrapped up a harvest in the Jamestown area. Columbia Grains Ben Nuss says a few loads continue to trickle in. I'd say 90% are done. Uh, guys are just kind of wrapping up field. A couple guys working on some spring work right now and getting ready for winter. So yields were higher than expected. Uh, there's a lot of corn out here this fall. And Nuss says the corn really didn't want to dry down much this fall. It was a wetter, wetter corn this year, a lot of, I mean, 17 to 19. I mean, you had your 20s and all, but no, no, nothing super dry coming in. I'd say beginning of Deese, we're going to be, we're going to be done with harvest. Washburn, North Dakota farmer Joe Sheldon says harvest in their area continues to make progress following some tough weather this fall. There's uh, corn combines moving all over the place. The ethanol plant has been uh, very busy at Blue Flint in the morning. Um, they've been taking uh, some days dry only, and other days they'll be taking wet as well. Harvest is slowly progressing along. Um, we've had several weather delays in our area. We received 14 inches of snow in uh, mid-October, and that really slowed things down, especially when the weather um, became nice again and that snow began to melt and the field access was beginning to be a problem. But otherwise, uh, we can't complain. The yields have been excellent. Farmers have to have a little patience and deal with Mother Nature, but this has been a really nice stretch of weather the last two weeks. While Sheldon's combines aren't rolling today, there's still some corn left in the field. We're done, but we're not officially done as we have a few fringe acres that are actually sitting in standing water. Um, we're kind of hoping that the weather's going to turn cool uh, overnight in the teens after Thanksgiving and then hopefully get out there in, in, in an early morning and, and pick up some of those acres that we just can't get to when it's been this nice and the combine seems to want to be uh, greased up and slide around. So we'd rather not make the fields a mess. There's a lot of corn um, from that Bismarck area to Jamestown last weekend, a lot of combines moving. And it seemed like you get a little bit further into the eastern part of the state, a lot of fields have been wrapped up. Warmer than normal temperatures and dry weather across Minnesota last week resulted in 6.3 days suitable for harvest and tillage. Corn harvest virtually complete, 97% done. That compares to the five-year average of 93%. 93% of the sunflowers are harvested. The topsoil moisture in Minnesota rated 65% adequate to surplus heading into winter. In South Dakota, 93% of the corn is harvested. That's up from the 86% average for this date. Sunflower harvest is at 80% complete, near the 77% average. Winter wheat is rated 53% good to excellent. Pasture conditions have a 54% good to excellent rating. And that's Harvest Hotline, sponsored by Amity Technology. 
Ag Country Farm Credit Services, and the North Dakota Mill. Well, harvest expected to be completed around uh, two Midwest weather systems over the next couple of weeks. World Weather Incorporated expects only light rain showers across the bulk of the Midwest. The northern plains are expected to remain dry, allowing any remaining field work to wrap up. World Weather says the only measurable precipitation will be some snow near the southwestern fringes of the region, and that late Wednesday into Friday. Minnesota Farm Bureau Federation Director of Public Policy Pierce Bennett says an extension of the 2018 Farm Bill is going to benefit producers and those working on crafting the new version. That farm bill and, and having that extension, it's a good farm bill. It was when it was written in 2018. It still is today. Yes, it needs tweaks. Yes, there are, are things we've been talking about all year that we'd like to, to see some changes made to. And so now we have an opportunity to do that. Things have gotten uh, slowed down in D.C. over the last six to eight months. Um, and, and so having this extension just continues to give us the opportunity to make it the right farm bill, to make the right changes. And we believe that that opportunity is there and that we can get it done. Bennett is hoping to see the work done earlier rather than later. Our goal is to continue working with our legislative partners to get it done, hopefully, Early in the year of 2024, that first quarter time frame will be a great time to see a farm bill completed, get us away from an election cycle so we can really put that focus on the farm bill and then allow elected officials to go out, be a part of their communities and, and tell them uh, why they should why they should be representing them. I think it's a perfect timeline, hopefully here early in the year. And, and that's what we're hoping to work with legislators on. Another carbon pipeline project is being abandoned. Wolf Carbon Solutions is withdrawing its permit application in Illinois for a carbon capture pipeline that was going to move carbon dioxide from two ADM ethanol plants in Iowa to a sequestration site in Illinois. Summit Carbon Solutions had its pipeline permit applications denied in North Dakota and South Dakota. Navigator Carbon, uh, carbon Dioxide or CO2 Ventures uh, canceled its Heartland Greenway project, which would have taken carbon dioxide from ethanol and fertilizer plants in Minnesota, South Dakota, Nebraska, and Iowa and deliver it to permanent storage in Illinois. Minnesota Farmers Union set their policy orders for the coming year. MFU President Gary Wordish says members are concerned about access to health care in rural communities. We ended up passing five uh, special orders, and first one is uh, ensuring affordable and accessible care and health care in uh, rural Minnesota. You know, as a health care costs are keep climbing and uh, really getting unsustainable, and it's not only that, but the, the accessibility too. You in some of the rural community, you know, the rural counties or communities, there's, you know, there's it's not really accessible, whether it's emergency or uh, ambulance services or, or hospitals or, you know, or doctors. So you really need to keep working on that. And, uh, you know, health care is important to everybody. Other special orders include investing in climate resilience, addressing the shortage of veterinarians, passing a comprehensive farm bill and curbing monopoly power and protecting competition. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Tuesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. Weather for Brazil's major cropping areas will continue to be a mixed bag for the next week to 10 days. Northern and east, uh, northeastern Brazil will continue to see hot, dry conditions. Center west Brazil will see some timely rains. And southern Brazil will continue to see frequent heavy rains. 
World Weather Incorporated says the bottom line for Brazil's crops remains a concern, with the northern areas remaining too dry, while the other areas will see timely rains or experience excessive rains and flooding. World Weather says Argentina is expected to see a good mix of rain and sunshine that's favorable for crop planting and crop development. While the news headlines have shifted away from the Russia-Ukraine war, Stonex Director of Fertilizer Josh Linville is keeping an eye on fertilizer exports out of the Black Sea region. Keep in mind Russia is a major exporter of nitrogen phosphate potash. They're a major player in all of them. Exports are still flowing, still no problems, but we know how quickly that can change. The Israel-Hamas situation is, there's one direct situation we've got to watch and a lot of indirect. The direct being that, and a lot of people don't know this, Israel's the fourth largest potash exporter in the world. Now, a very, very far cry from what Canada is, right? Mm -hmm. But they are still a big part of their top five countries, so we've got to watch that. Fortunately, no rockets, nothing like that has impacted it. We it only takes one. So we're watching it very closely. Lynn. And Linville says the fear of war expanding into the Persian, Persian Gulf is a, a major concern. Uh, if all of a sudden, let's say, I was going to say Turkey and Syria and countries like this, but what we're really talking about is Iran. And the reason we say that is if Iran enters the mix, the U.S. is going to protect its ally. And now all of a sudden we're talking about the Persian Gulf. Now, if that happens, the world is going to be talking about oil shipments. That's what's going to be in the news cycle. From a farming standpoint, there's a tremendous amount of nitrogen that flows through that uh, Persian Gulf. I think it's the Strait of Hormuz that's right there. And if those two, or if the U.S. and uh, Iran are battling, it gets very hard to justify taking your vessel up through there because... Who knows where the next missile might strike? So that's something we're watching very, very closely. China is considering options to expand domestic production and usage of biodiesel. China's National Energy Administration is promoting local demonstration projects and asking regional governments to provide financial support. China's current use of biodiesel is low compared to the United States and Europe. North Star Commodity Chief Analyst Mark Schultz says the grains remain in a range-bound trade. Yesterday, a nice move turnaround on the beans, uh, up uh, in uh, 20 cents plus, and uh, up another 18 to 20 cents uh, earlier this morning. But you know, as prices get up here to that uh, level, back near the highs that they posted a week ago, you're going to start seeing uh, some additional farmer selling. Uh, take place. As far as uh, the market making its move, it's all on ideas of South American weather and that we probably have done some damage to the crop. I believe that is probably the case. I would still say, though, it's still not to a point that it is uh, irreversible. Corn Belt marketing market analyst Sam Hudson says the soybean market has pulled back after opening higher. Yeah, you know, we'd... Uh, Starting to see this lower volume, fickle type of outlook. I mean, you've got uh, you know, farmers that uh, have probably rewarded the market to to their liking at this point. Uh, I think you could see more of that if you'd retake the $14 handle into the end of the year. Um, you know, soybean carriers were pretty large at harvest, and so I think plenty of that supply has been been, been held over. And I think we're going to have plenty to meet the market needs between now and year end. Now, after that is what we're all talking about is the South American weather. That's really the only topic we can talk about with our harvest pretty well wrapped up in the bag. The livestock market continues to see choppy trade. You know, the cattle and feed report from last week wasn't nearly as loud as what we saw the month prior. I think there was a lot of fear going into it that we could see, you know, another kind of shockingly high placements number. Now, keep in mind, year-over-year -year numbers are going to look, you know, kind of shocking just because of how we were last year versus this year. But, uh, you know, we've dropped the market down enough, uh, you know, far enough, do enough technical damage that we've gotten a lot of the fund ownership and length out of that. So I, I think that's a point to watch here as we get into the end of this year and the beginning of next, uh, the fund rebalancing their desire to be in some of these markets. If the cash market can 
you know, resurge enough to get them back in, I think it's going to be a good sign. And that being said, I think that's what has to lead the way, and, and secondly, the spreads. And so if we see a strong market here in the, in the end of the year and first quarter, I think we, you know, it's still a possibility. Beyond that, as we get to you know Valentine's Day and beyond, I think it's going to be a lot of weight on economic sentiment and how long we can hang in here and, and, you know, with the price cuts. Find more farm news by visiting rrfn.com. Reporting agriculture's business, this is the Red River Farm Network. Good afternoon. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. Basis bids at the grain elevators followed by the Red River Farm Network are mostly unchanged from last week. Corn basis ranging from 45 to 60 under the December futures. Soybean basis ranging from 70 to 90 under the January futures contract. And the spring wheat basis ranging from 25 to 70 under the December Minneapolis futures. A uh, few of the elevators are starting to transition the March spring wheat and corn contracts uh, to set basis levels. National Cattlemen's Beef Association President-elect Mark Isley says proposed electronic identification is about animal health and safety for both animals and consumers. What we're really striving for is disease prevention, uh, livestock protection. Uh, that's really where we're at. We're wanting to get the funding from, from USDA so the producers don't bear the burden of that initially. If we have some kind of outbreak, it will literally bring everything to a halt for 72 hours at a minimum. It could be weeks at a time. No feedlot, packing house movement, no pasture cattle moving out, no calves coming over. Absolute stoppage. Uh, devastating the economy and also a huge blow to consumer confidence. We don't want that to happen. NCBA is working to keep this program funded and voluntary. We are currently fending off uh, additions to or amendments to the farm bill to keep that from being defunded. We want to make sure that that tag program, and lots of states have thousands and thousands of tags. It's not a huge burden. We just want the opportunity to do that right on a voluntary basis and see if we can get people on board with this. Taking a look at markets before we leave you, Minneapolis, December wheat, seven and a half higher at 7.14 and three quarters. March contracts, six and a half higher at 7.30 and a half. Chicago wheat, seven and a half higher at 5.51. Kansas City, three and a quarter higher at 6.13 and three quarters. Corn, December futures unchanged here at 4.69 and a quarter. March, three quarters of a penny higher at 4.88 and a quarter. Soybeans, January, five cents higher at 13.72 and a half. March, five and a quarter higher at 13.88 and a half. Live cattle, December futures down 45 cents at 175.02. February live cattle down 62 cents at 176.02. January feeder cattle, a dollar 52 lower at 228.32. December lean hogs down a dollar 95. This is the Red River Farm Network.